0: Welcome one, that. to another edition of the Grizz Den Podcast. I'm your host Will Walker. I'm here with Ty Smith. Let's go. And Brantley Davidson. Hey. <laughs> Switching roles um, If you're a new listener, welcome We're glad you're here I'm stealing all your stats tonight That's fine Yeah, we're doing a complete role reversal With those two <laughs> over there um, Follow us on social media uh, We're at GrizzDen on Twitter At Grizz underscore Den On Instagram We've we've been a little bit more active on Twitter recently Just with all these games Ty is our resident tweeter, Ty Smith Sr. At
1: so, um,
2: yeah, I, I, I don't think I have my Twitter anymore, personally, but I've been <laughs> Wait, doing, you got rid of your personal happened? Twitter? I did. Why? Because I think I was looking at it too much, and I didn't
0: like it. Well, so you, so now you just go to Grisden,
2: guess, and you look it, at it just as much.
0: Just, you don't feel bad because it's not your personal.
2: Kind of, but I only we only follow, like, basketball people. Yeah, I don't that's really true. follow any political people, so it's been nice.
0: That, I can understand.
2: So we only follow, like, 60 people, and they're all just NBA people. Yeah. But I did, like, tweet, live tweet a game. Is that what it's called? Yes, um, it is. I don't remember what game that was, <laughs> but I remember texting y'all at halftime, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep up. I can't do both. I can't watch and tweet. It's too hard.
0: So this morning at about 9.45 a.m., a tweet came through, speaking of Twitter. Uh, Woj uh, dropped a bomb that the next three games for the Memphis Grizzlies uh would be postponed in addition to the one that had already been postponed. Um, So now we will actually not play. The next opportunity to play will be January 27th against the Chicago Bulls. And uh, the games that are being postponed are two against Portland, two against Sacramento. So let's start there, guys. Um, What were your immediate reactions when that happened? Obviously, you know, we don't want, anything to um, be at risk in terms of health. And it was apparently from the Memphis Grizzlies side. Um, that's where the contact tracing came from. And uh, the one person that was reported to have actually been, you know, in these protocols it recently was Jonas. So they think that he is the one that probably has it. And then just everybody else's contact tracing. So it's not like there's an outbreak like the wizards right now, but, Um, obviously hope Jonas is okay, but what was, yeah, what was the first thought when that came down? What were your reactions? How are you thinking about it? It
2: was a bummer. Um, we have won five games in a row. Uh, we just beat Phoenix, who everyone is predicting to be a home court team, pretty much top five seed in the West. Um, they were fully healthy and jaw closed the game against CP three and looked awesome. Um, so we were kind of we had some momentum for sure so it was a bummer to to find out that our yeah next four games were canceled i think if this would have happened earlier in the season i don't think all of them would have been canceled though i think after like the board of whatever meeting that happened like a week ago within nba like owners and execs they kind of requested with the nba um I guess management that they'd be more strict on COVID stuff. And so I think this is a result of that. So I think Adam Silver is kind of making an example of the Grizzlies, but not really, but kind of being like, if one person's positive, we're shutting you down. Um, and yeah, from my understanding, there's only one positive test on the entire team. Um, and he got pulled at like halftime one game, which was interesting. Uh, but yeah, it's still kind of a bummer just because we were riding high. But hey, positive note, is maybe this cuts down games that we will have to play without Justice and Jaren.
0: You stole my take, Ty. Sorry about that, man. He's a jerk. He steals everything. Bradley's going to
2: steal all my stats later. So
0: Let's go, Ty, get it, and then me. I mean, just like, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I, I completely agree. I actually, um, you know, these games were going to be uh, winnable. Definitely. With C.J. McCollum especially going out. Um, he was playing lights out, and he's already one of the biggest Grizz killers ever. Um, and Sacramento is just not very good, although Fox and Ja was going to be fun to watch again. But, yeah, I, I actually think in a weird way it could be a blessing in disguise because this team hasn't been at full strength in a long time. And to the fact that by the time we come back, um, we can – basically not lose any more games, not at full strength. And that just, like you said, accelerates the timeline potentially. Or not accelerates the timeline, but it gives uh, us an opportunity to wait a little bit longer for Justice and Jaren. So,
2: and the yeah. initial reporting on Jaren's injury is that he would be back in January. Yeah, And Will, as you mentioned, our next game is the 27th of January. So you would imagine... That Jaren and Justice would be back because Justice is supposed to come back I was before Jaron.
1: Justice before
0: Jaron. Although now it might be flipped um at this point because Why's that? Jaron's uh interview with the undefeated Mark Spears, did y'all read that article? He basically had said that uh and this could be just because there's been now more reporting on Jaren than Justice. Grizzlies don't necessarily. Who's Justice? I hear people talk
2: about him. Who is that?
0: <laughs> he's on our team. Uh, but Jaron basically said it's going to be sooner than you think, and so there has been zero reporting on Justice versus some reporting on Jaron. So it leads us to believe potentially Jaron could actually be closer if he's feeling the freedom to act to to go on the record. So, but yeah, um, that's that's the current situation with the Grizzlies, so we get about a week here without basketball, um, at least watching our own team. So maybe we can scout out um, the Bulls for the next week or something. Uh, But, yeah, we have the injury updates for right now. Uh, As we know, Jaron and Justice, uh, Jonas is probably going to be out for um, a certain amount of time as well. And uh, one interesting non-injury but um, rotation shift we saw was in the last game, D'Anthony Melton, who uh, just signed a contract with the Grizzlies that was fairly lucrative for a player um, of his value, was, was a DNPCD. Uh, he did not play against the Suns. He did not get to participate in his potential revenge game. Uh, guys, I had heard that it could be something... From all my sources, uh, that it could have been something in terms of like a an unofficial um, like slap on the wrist for something like skipping practice or being late to practice, something like that. Um, I there's that's literally just speculation, but I think it's interesting because we won the game, and uh, obviously Milton is one of our one of our guys. What I mean, what was going on? What what did you think?
1: It was honestly, it was sort of weird. I didn't even really notice it because our team played so well. Yeah, like we looked so good. There were certain people who didn't get playing time in addition to Melton not being present. You I'm said not, you weren't going to talk about him. I'm not talking about him, but Dylan didn't play a whole lot, <laughs> and JV didn't play because he was out. Right, so it was a it was a completely different, fresh, young look, and which the, so the game was exciting and I kind of forgot about it. Yeah,
0: and Grayson uh had 26 minutes, played 26 minutes and was a plus 12, had 16 points, obviously hit that massive 3 at the end of the game. Um and that's the thing with our team. I think it's this this is a really interesting discussion. We were just watching how uh Kevin O'Connor with the Ringer came out with a video uh Basically, uh, it was about the Grizzlies. You should go look it up on YouTube. But it was about our young guys and, and how we're, we're building this team around just really smart players and players that just fit together. And um, I think part of what you're describing, Brantley, is the, uh, that in action. It's just We have a bunch of guys, especially around that wing position, like Melton... Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain, John Conchar, and down the line that can actually just like play and you can plug them in when somebody's not playing well, you have that luxury to go deeper in the bench. Granted, Jenkins doesn't go too deep usually, but that is that is a positive of this team.
1: Yeah, I mean, granted, the Suns, you know, were coming back from being around a week off. That's true. They did look I would say sort of rusty, but they're the Suns. They're one of the top teams in the Western Conference right now. I would expect, you know, especially a Chris Paul-led team to come in and, and look to get a win coming fresh off. And you know Chris Paul doesn't love coming into FedEx Forum. So I'm sure there were some, you know, heebie-jeebies that he got walking into the grindhouse. But it's just like when you look at, like, who played in this game – of the minute, the the people who log minutes, their starters were Brandon Clark, John Morant, Tillman, Xavier Tillman, Kyle Anderson, and Dylan. And then off the bench you had Grayson, who played, you know, the majority of the minutes off the bench. Tyus, Bain, and Gorgie and Conchar kind of got a little bit. Like winning that game and the notables who didn't get PT in this game competing in a major kind of Western Conference foe is – If you would have told me a year and a half ago that the Grizzlies would be starting a young core of folks that didn't include Jaron and a trade asset that we get in justice and competing at a high level and winning, even though. And without our starting center. Without our starting center and knowing how, even, even knowing how well Ja was playing as a rookie, I wouldn't have believed you necessarily. Or I would have said we like won the lottery and got a top one or two pick. Yeah. So it's just fascinating just that like we were not fascinating but it's just like the the chemistry on this team right now I think is as high as one can be on the court where they're coming in and competing and you're seeing you're seeing a a, a, a you know kind of a, a bunch of puzzle pieces really meshing together well and playing well um which is just it's just really fun to watch yeah and I think
0: it was a really important win because if you look at our schedule, if you look at the wins that we've had, they haven't necessarily been against great teams. We've played, beaten Brooklyn twice without their stars, beat, you know, Minnesota, um, and you go down the line and, yeah, it's not it's not great, but then you get to this Phoenix win. They had Devin Booker out there. They had Chris Paul. They had DeAndre Ayton, Mikkel Bridges. Like, they had their guys, Jay Crowder, you know. Everybody was playing for them because they had – They'd even had a week off, which rest versus rest. You can have that debate. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was a huge win. Huge win.
1: Do you think that – so I think it's an interesting point. Like, the the wins we've gotten have maybe been against teams who have either sat their players, their stars, or we've maybe caught some luck just with some health and injury things. At some point, some of these teams have to look at us and say – We still have to play our stars to to beat the Grizzlies, and we we need to win. Like we got to win those games for position seating, right? Like at some point, like that's gonna stop. I would imagine. I
2: would think so too. And back to your injury point, like we beat Philly, and Philly has without Embiid, but they have outside of that one of the highest payrolls in the league. Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons. They like, should
1: theoretically be able to beat us without him. And we, sure. who did
2: we, who were we without that game, too? That was Jaws' first game back in two weeks. And we were without Jaron. And I know Justice seems like this, like, not even real person at this point. But he's still a projected, even not starter. Let's project him as a top 6-7 player on our roster, right? Um, Philly should beat us on paper. If you look at that game, Philly should easily handle us pretty much. Um, If I were to ask y'all who defended Ja better than anyone in the league last year, you Ben Simmons would be way up on the list, right? Ja played great and got to his spots pretty much wherever he wanted to, uh, which is very encouraging. But Brantley, I get your point about how like some of these other guys are missing players because they are, because everyone is pretty much. But what frustrates me is a lot of like national people will kind of write off our wins due to our schedule not looking at the fact that we're without Jaron Justice and Valanchunas for some of these games and Ja for some of these games. Like, we're also missing a ton of guys. And I feel like we're not getting the credit for, like, our depth coming into play, right? Like, Philly should just be better than us with or without Embiid, in my opinion. Um, I know it was a close game. The Phoenix game, like you were talking about, the minutes and production we were getting from guys that, are either second-year players or rookies. Um, I guess Grayson's a third-year guy. But still, like, these guys shouldn't be getting the production they're getting. And I don't honestly know how or why they're able – like, how is Grayson able to do – like, there's got to be a deeper, like, cause for this, right? Like, I don't know if it's system. I don't know if it's Jenkins. I don't know if it's, like, Job being the leader that he is, people being confident – but it's like crazy to see a 30th overall pick and a 32nd overall pick playing 25 plus minutes in a huge game against Phoenix and like us win the game, right?
1: Yeah. I think it's, I would, two, two things really quickly I would say to that. I do think that a theme for this year across the NBA is going to be depth, more so than it ever has been because of the situation that we're living in with the pandemic with sort of the uncertainties of travel, with just losing players left and right. it It's going gonna, it's gonna to set up, I think, some weird games down the stretch and maybe even some weird games in the playoffs, more so than any other sport w- that we've been sort of like living in and watching this year. The Grizzlies, I think maybe coming into the year, we felt really good about our depth based on the production that they had last year. I don't know if I would have said that our depth was good enough to hang with teams like, phoenix and philadelphia coming into the year because i didn't necessarily know what tillman and bain would give you so now i think that's going to hopefully set us up later to really come back to that because i do think that nailing those picks and really nailing bc outside of getting ja which is sort of a foregone conclusion that you you know hopefully get a top pick and he pays off the other thing that i was going to say do you have a, a point to the depth piece um can i kind of completely gone oh you do go
0: ahead
2: so my back to like what's causing it so i know you brantley especially doesn't want to bring up dylan um but you can but the point i'm trying to make is like he played terribly against phoenix he started out one for nine from the field couldn't hit a shot was fouling it just didn't look good at all and what did jenkins do he just sat him he sat him for the entire closing minutes of the game
1: Bless my soul. That was and when,
2: I remember when, so Ja split the defenders, somehow got the pass to Grace in the corner, Have no idea how he got it there. But anyway, one of the first things Brantley texted us is like, Dylan would not have made that shot. And then our other point was, Dylan wouldn't even have been there in the first place. Like, he wouldn't have been in the corner. Like, he wouldn't have been in the right position. So I think that's like super encouraging. Again, kind of back to the depth, right? We're able to pull... Uh, our starting two guard that doesn't play a minute down the stretch. I don't know when we pulled him, but it was early in the fourth. And we played Grayson Allen instead. Like that, to me, that's nuts.
0: I think it's cool too because in season, you know, I love that we're like super um, focused on the games, how we're talking about them, the rotations, uh, the actual X's and O's. And then off season, obviously, it's a lot of contract talk. But if I can interject, like, just a little bit of contract talk, and as it relates to depth, I think we're in such a unique position in the league right now because our two best players are still under their rookie deals, which allows us to spread every other dollar out. And I think you're seeing the value of having, you know, six or seven 10 to $12 million guys, basically, yeah. all on your roster. And I think a lot of other teams, especially contenders – who are going all in with stars, you know, ninety percent of their payroll is with three or four guys. And then everybody else are it's like trying to fill in the gaps with guys who maybe play one gig game every three games. Yep. But we have guys that can come out and do that every time. I
2: wonder if that I wonder if that is representative of us knowing who we have. Meaning we we view Ja as like that guy that we already have, right? We maybe even view Jaron as like that superstar. So now we're already in the mode of filling in the gaps, like you kind of talked about. Like we kind of in our front offices' minds, we already have the stars that we need. Now we're trying to kind of like get players
1: that we think may fit well. We have two of the stars that we need. That's my opinion. And how many? You need three. Okay. We have we have an elite shot creator and playmaker, and Jaw. We have a great supporting player who we think is going to be able to develop and creating a shot. You need another playmaker. There's no, there's no question. I'm talking about a team to win a championship. Right. I'm not talking about a, a team that can compete like the grit and grind did. We're in a different stratosphere with Ja, and we have to act that way. And we've talked that in the past, this is going to come back to my second point that I was about to say a second ago with Utah after depth, because we've said this a couple of times on this pod, about how we don't want to be the Pelicans with Anthony Davis. We want to surround Ja, who's a superstar, a different position but is a superstar, with the types of players that helps us compete for a championship to make him happy. Verno went on, I think, a really great reframe of um, uh, the new GM mindset on um, the mismatch last Friday, I think, with KOC, basically with his hypothesis that it's not about getting good players anymore. It's about keeping your players happy. That is, in a sense, what I think – I have not articulated it that way, but that's the premise with Ja. And I think Jaw is one of those players that right now – now he could change his character or his character could evolve – And what he cares about could evolve. But right now, I think he really cares about competing at a high level, competing at a high level, and having players around him that know how to ball. All of our players in their post-game interviews are saying things like, our front office just gets people who know how to play and know how to play in our system. We just have a bunch of guys who just can play. That is fun, and it leads to winning. And it's been a draft strategy for Kleiman, and it's paid Good off. Life. And so that's one of those things that's like, you know, if you just look back at the draft that we had, you know, last year when we got Ja, okay, everybody said you got to pick Ja, you got just everybody take Ja. We'll take that out of the consideration. You know, maybe we could have messed that up, gotten somebody else. But, you know, number two pick, you take Ja. Getting BC, hitting on Bain, hitting on Tillman – what looks like early returns, making some off-season trades that you know to to or in the season last year to A get two-way justice. guy that
0: now is on our roster and Conchar like that can't be
1: yeah undrafted free agent last year yeah exactly you would have never so here and I was thinking about this today actually and so my rant's about to be over but like historically there's been some talk about like what Yuta is doing with Toronto. Like he's kind of being this a little bit of a core asset for them a little bit coming in off the bench producing. I don't know a ton of his numbers, but that's I've seen a couple articles like that. Historically I would have said, Oh crap. What did the Grizzlies do? We let go of this great role player right now. I know it's like, well, I don't know. He didn't fit with us. And I trust what this front office has done with every one of our players because I'm seeing it on the court. Yep. I agree. Um,
0: let's, that's that's a great point about our um, how we're building long term. But let's talk real quick about this season. In our last podcast, we were already mentally preparing for a tank. We did not. I don't feel like we necessarily um, fully uh, put our stamp on what we believed in uh, in this season. I think we were basically just saying if if X, Y, and Z, here's why tanking isn't the worst thing ever. Um, as it stands right now, the Grizzlies are 7-6, and six, and John ja Moran is already back way sooner than we thought. We're getting this week-long vacation, and then Jaron and Justice, God willing, will be back in the next two to three weeks, let's say. Where are you... Right now, on tanking. Where are you in this? Se- are you all in to try and and just go this season? Are you cheering for the Grizzlies to having winning season?
2: I just before we do this, I just I have to do this. Time. Really, Grizz,
1: we'll just set up this perfect. I question, mean, I know Gordon, I'm so sorry.
2: So I just I have Wait, to do I'll this because go happens. Stat. This happens so often amongst fan bases, including the Grizz, but. Yuta Watanabe on the season um, has played eight games, averaged nine minutes a game, and is going 1.8 points per game, two rebounds, 0. 0.3 assists on 40% from three, which is kind of good, but 0. 0.1, so 10% from two. So, I'm yeah, just...
1: But the Raptors suck. Oh, I know. But those articles have been written. I know, the that's my point. of his, his production. People
2: do this all the time. Yeah, where one guy that no one knows about prior has like three good minutes on the floor and they're just like this is a rotation guy this is him we found him let's just pump the brakes on that kind of stuff I'm including Grizz fans and like Conchar Conchar is fine like he's not going to do anything stupid he's a smart player but he's not going to like change your outcome in many games or in many seasons, I'll say that. Personal games, maybe. but Answer Will's tanking question.
0: Yeah, freaking. Well, back that to that the
2: tanking thing. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't want to call it tanking then. Literally, we tried to Losing come up with a new name. The title of the podcast
0: was insert different word for yes. tanking here. and
2: one of the reasons we were having that conversation is because we thought Joe ja was going to be out for five weeks, and we knew we were going to be without Jaren and Justice. We were going to be down three starters on a team that, like, craves and has to have creation. And when you take Ja away, we'll get to some of his usage stuff later. Like, he is our sole creator. So going back to that conversation, like, we were taking away the guy that ran everything for us offensively. And we were also taking away the other guy who basically, I think, plays second best off him being Jaron. Jaron and Jaw found something towards the end of last year. Like, they were rolling. Like, his pick-and-pop game, Jaron was just launching threes. He was super comfortable off the dribble, too. We all saw that game in the bubble against Portland where he was just sizing up Nurkic on the perimeter and just taking him off the dribble, like, time after time. And we're down those guys. So, I honestly, when that happened, I was like, we've all seen DeAnthony try to run an offense. That can't happen. Just can't happen. Tyus has started the season crazy slow, just like he did last year. And like maybe we were Tillman hadn't played yet either. Remember Tillman's only been back for a few games, so we were kind of like, "What are we gonna? What are we gonna do? How are we gonna create offense?" So that was my thing. I just didn't think tanking. I just thought we even at our best with that roster, we wouldn't be able to muster up any wins. But I was wrong.
0: So if somebody's asking you, Ty or Brantley, both as like. As Grizzlies fans, how should we how should we be thinking right now? If they're if they're looking to you to basically like shape the narrative on this season, would you tell them actually, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing if we lost a lot because this would happen? Or are you like, No, it's we just need to go all in?
1: I think we have to see what we have in our young assets. So like to me To Grizz fandom, I would say what I I hope, win or lose, is that the eight or nine people that are getting the majority of the playing time are the ones that I think have the potential to be on our roster long-term. And that is everybody... Do you have your list? Yes. Let's hear it. Okay. So... If you need to... Do look at it for a minute. Let me I let me get back to it, just so that I don't miss somebody because I am gonna be an idiot. But, but that. <clears throat> so, what I would say is that win or lose, if those guys are getting the playing time and playing with each other, then I am gonna I am gonna consider this season a success because when you think you have to answer this question, with the consideration of what's happening, salary wise, on our roster over the next couple of years. And I say that because I think that that should shape what we look to do before the trade deadline. And I've said this before and I'll say it again. I think Kyle Anderson has developed himself into a trade asset and he's got to be traded as much as I hate to say it. We got something for Jay last year. I loved Jay Crowder. I was so mad when we lost him and I that's on the record and it hurt us. I think for a short period of time but it also, I think, in hindsight, looking back, helped develop our young core. They learned how to lead from that from Jay. They're still close with him, and then he left, and some other guys had to pick up the slack a little bit. So the veteran piece that Kyle provides, I would hate to, I would hate to lose it. But at the end of the day, I think we got to get something for it. And I also think that you've got to think about how to get rid of JB. So you don't. So let's just let's just let's just I love build that, out this the list. Way.
0: Name the players on the roster right now that you think are your guys. Who are you? These are the ones for? that I'm
1: considering. Here's how we'll frame this up: these are the ones that I think have the potential to be on the roster long term, or are still we're still trying to figure that out, and they could play themselves into trade chips. Let's go with the rostered because basically, and I'm saying that because Brandon Clark to me is a trade chip. Yep. To me. I don't like to say it. I know that he has great chemistry with Ja, but I think on a championship team that guy doesn't find the court that much. But to your point of trade ship, I
2: don't think you're like actively
1: shopping him. But if he was the deal breaker in a deal, if he was you part of a deal. I would to get a major asset, right? To get that true number two playmaker that we think is the next step for this. You're not team, afraid to not add, afraid add him to in it. the trade. I get, not get not that, but you're not like actively being like, "Hey, what do y'all want for
2: Brandon
0: Clark?" No, I think okay. that he could be that guy though on a championship, not that guy on a championship team, but like he could be a guy. In a rotation, I do too for sure. But back to yeah, to that's Brantley's a different point. argument. Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: So we're so this is Brantley's list. Sorry, my sorry, people. Sorry. Yep. So Brandon Clark's on that list. Bain's on the list. Tyus is on the list. Grayson is on the edge. Tillman or a Tillman type is on the list, and Ja. Did Where's you? J- Jaren. Justice and Jaren? Jaren. Okay, but, I, mean, I was about to say Justice and Jaren. Yeah, yeah. And that's what that's
0: non. Players? So let's maybe it's easier to say who's not on the list. So the big notable
2: is DeAnthony, is who you didn't mention.
1: Yeah, I like DeAnthony, but I, if so, I had to choose between Bain getting minutes or Grayson getting minutes to figure out who is our long term fit, I think that those two guys, I'd rather have them get PT. Now, that, then this, Anthony, then that then group the of three. Then DeAnthony. Then DeAnthony. Okay. okay. Bain's a flamethrower, Oh, I'm dude. all
2: in on Bain, but I, I think I would switch the Grayson and D'Anthony on. Now,
1: me. I'm saying Grayson because I think he's on the way out. I want him Maybe. to get playing time to evaluate getting rid of him, which could still mean that Melton is part of, the, part of it long term. But at some point, you've got to shrink the minutes, and I don't want those minutes going to – in a healthy roster, I'd rather it not go to JV. I know what he can give me. I'd rather it not go to Dylan. I definitely know what he can't give me. And I don't want it going to go into Kyle anymore. As awesome as Kyle is, mm-hmm.
0: Jonas is the big one for me that I think is interesting. Because while I do not believe that he is necessarily like he's not a guy that I might keep him at all costs. Um, I don't know. It, it's it, There is something to be said for having your bruiser, but I guess the argument is um, as Jaron Tillman. Um, who else can play down there in the rotation? Brandon Clark. Like, Jonte, yeah. Tilly. We'll see about Tilly, that. Tilly, baby. Uh, Tilly, but like what I'm saying <laughs> is right now JV is one of those guys who fills it up. Like, we need his production, but I guess the argument would be as those other guys get better, your center position, the guy who can protect protect the rim, come in and do some things, becomes a little bit more replaceable. 'Cause that's that's the position in the NBA right now that like starting center, just big body give you eighteen good minutes a game is the replacement value there is pretty high. Like so, you can really Definitely. So
1: let me ask it back to you guys this way. Whenever Justice and Jaron come back, assuming like let's just assume January twenty seventh or whatever it is, full roster's healthy. Okay. So we've got Almost fifteen people. Thirteen people that could play. Which is freaking awesome. But people are gonna lose minutes. That we're watching right now where we're winning in some of these games. Who are you comfortable with seeing lose minutes? That's a tough yeah, that's a tough question. Well,
0: the 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 ones that those Jaron and Justice, the ones that they're gonna replace are Brandon's going to go to the bench. Kyle is going to get his, cut, his playing time cut into. You would think Dylan Brooks is also going to have a few minutes taken off, or at least the pecking order is going to be more defined for him to, to maybe fall under. Um, so those are the main guys. And then Jonas would not necessarily have to carry that heavy of a load. Uh, and Gorgie, I think, is the guy who also just like doesn't really play anymore.
2: I think Gorgie's going to get a bunch of so, DMPs for sure. But I think, to your point, like the wing guard rotation—that's the thing—is is the tough.
0: three guys, three of those guys, Dylan, Kyle, and Jonas, are guys that I think would be replaced as far as the you know the margins of their minutes. So that could be a good thing. And you're like, and I don't think there's as many decisions right now uh, on the wing because I feel like. That is a position where you can tell with eight uh, eight minutes of playing time whether a guy has or not in a night. And I think the one adjustment I would make, and I'm in full support, is to play Bane as much as possible. So As much as possible. Yeah. You can't play him enough. Um, but with, Okay, so with that said, I wanted to, to, to throw in one more quick Point on this specific topic, and then I want to move to our rookies and talk about them in depth. Uh, here are the teams in the West that I think are currently better than the Grizzlies, and there's eight of them. Uh, the Lakers, the Clippers, the Nuggets, the Jazz, the Suns, even though we just beat them, the Mavericks, the Blazers, and the Warriors. Those are teams that I feel like the Grizzlies would probably lose to in a seven-game series. We can catch them on a bad night. But I think over seven games, we'd probably lose to those teams. You take C.J. McCollum off the Blazers, that kind of changes. So we'll see how Portland looks. But um, teams that I feel like we are pretty much equal with right now, San Antonio Spurs, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, and the Houston Rockets. I think the Grizzlies are near, if not, at the top of that list.
1: Hmm? We're better than the Rockets.
0: I think in a seven-game series with the Rockets, now that Oladipo is there, he had 32 points his first night. Like I think that they have just that's enough fair. guys to give the Grizzlies fits.
1: I forgot about Oladipo.
0: Um Teams that were better than in the West, Thunder and Timberwolves. I think that's pretty apparent. Those. So with that said, what I would encourage Grizzlies fans to watch is every game that we have against the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Kings – the Rockets, and now even with the Blazers being injured. Those are like the five teams that I feel like if we are starting to pick up wins against those teams, I think this team is putting themselves into a position of strength in that play-in group. Um, So, what I would say is um, watch those specific matchups and uh, cheer hard during those uh, don't get too far down if we do lose because I feel like the consolation prize uh, in this deep draft is really good. So it's kind of a win-win.
1: It's a win-win. And I, th- I don't think that we can uh, under... I'd be... Uh, the opposite part of tanking is the experience that you get in the play-in and in potentially making it to a series that is, I think, you can't really measure it on what that does for some of our young players and the impact it has and sets them up for the next season. Yep.
2: And on that note, just what these young players are getting now. We just talked about the Phoenix game when we had so many guys injured and all these young guys had to come in and play, big minutes, right, and contribute to winning. Or we lose that game, and they did it. Um, Before we get to the rookies, can I just talk about Ja for a second? Yeah, go for it. So, as Grizz fans, I think, like, Ja was, I don't know. I think we we all know how great he is, but I don't know if we know how great he is. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. I don't really think Tell we know, like, how
2: good he is. And this is just, like, I went on a little, like, NBA.com backslash stats, little wormhole today. It's called a bender. Um, yeah, I went on a bender <laughs> today on Ja, and... What led me down this road is I knew he had high usage, a usage rate, which basically is a percentage of, like, touches in an offensive possession each game um, or per possessions. Um, and I knew Ja had the ball a lot. So I was like, let me look up, like, his usage percentage. So Jaw's usage percentage on this season is 30%. It's technically 29.8, but I'm rounding up. So when you think about guys with high usage, 30 and above, you think of like ball dominant, like these are the guys, like these are, every team has like a guy that they go to. Jaws clearly ours.
1: What's usage rate? Just Usage
2: rate is basically how the amount of minutes a guy has basically the ball, touching the ball, has possession of the ball throughout a game. So Jaw's usage rate is thirty percent. That means basically thirty percent of our offensive possessions, Jaw has the ball. Is that a good way to? Does that make sense? Yep. Okay. So thirty percent is high, um, really high. I think it's like top twenty in the league, maybe. So of the guys with usage rate of at least thirty percent or more, Jaw is one of five guys, five in the entire league, with a true shooting percentage of sixty percent or better. True shooting percentage is basically what you shoot from every spot, whether that's three-point, in the lane, free throw percentage, everything. All of your shots, the true shooting percentage is basically a collection of all those shots, the percentage you make. Jaws, 60% or better. The other four are Embiid, who is a big guy who lives in the paint, so you would expect his true shooting to be pretty high. Steph, greatest shooter of all time. KD, top five greatest shooter of all time. And Bradley Beal, who everyone knows is a freak. The fact that Jaws in that category of A, usage, B, true shooting percentage, to me, as a second-year 6'3", 180-pound soaking wet point guard is nuts. Absolutely nuts.
1: No other point guard. Well, Steph is the other point guard. Steph is the second other guy.
2: Luca not there. Trey, not there. Damian Lillard, not there. This is nuts. This is like crazy. Crazy. Anyway, another point. Ja, when you think of his game, he lives in the paint, right? Everyone sees that when you watch the Grizz. Somehow he just gets to the paint whenever he wants to. Switches, doubles, traps, doesn't matter. He splits the double team. He does whatever he needs to do. So he's third in the league in drives per game, which is how many times a game you drive to the paint, essentially. And he does that 20 times a game, only behind Luka and Shea Gildress Alexander. So of the players, his field goal percentage is 52%. When he drives, which is pretty high, he attempts five free throws per drive. So every time he drives, he'll get fouled and shoot five free throw attempts per those 20 drives. That leads the league by like a mile. Like no one is remotely close. If you listen to people talk about stars in the NBA, Bill Simmons references this all the time. When a guy makes a leap, the biggest leap he makes is he gets to the line consistently.
1: He, Bill asked for Jason Tatum to do this all the time. And People a
2: need to get to the line. Like your points per game guys, if you look at all the leaders points per game in the NBA, they all take upwards of like 8, 9, 10 free throws a game. So the fact that Jaw is A, getting to the paint, B, scoring well, C, drawing a ton of fouls and shooting a lot of free throws. He's also shooting like 80% on those free throws, which is really solid. That's also nuts. Last point, Two more. He's sixth, sixth total in the league in points in the paint per game. That's nuts. That is including centers. That is including six, eight, six, nine, seven foot guys. He's sixth in the entire league with points in the paint at fourteen points a game. Also crazy. And he's also fourth in fast break points. My point being, Ja is playing like a superstar right now. If you look at how he scores the ball, how efficient he scores the ball and what he does with the ball, that also proves that he's doing whatever he wants to do with the ball. And to me that like can't be praised enough.
1: There's a reason it's really fun when he's in the game.
2: Yes. And there's a reason we're good when he plays. And there's a reason like he is everything for us because he's just he's a freak. And I hope those stats made sense because when I read them Every time I looked at it, I was like, "This can't be true." This the is free nuts. throw this one is nuts. awesome.
1: I hadn't quite. It, I think that passes some intuition pieces for me, um, but that's that's really positive. It is yeah. like
2: uh, Luca. I think is top in the league in drives per game, and I think he has like three free throw attempts per drive or something like that. So Ja has two more than that, which is pretty solid, especially when you consider Luca, who's six eight, and one of the most gifted players in the world. I just I just think it's great that Ja's within that company. He's in that category of players.
0: So our eyes are not deceiving us, is what you're saying.
2: Yeah, and I think people like when people say like like the classic Kendrick Perkins, like Ja, top five point guard in the league, carry on, or whatever dumb stuff he says. Like there's a point to it. Like he's like, Ja really is special. He's the best player to ever wear a Grizzlies uniform and probably will be the best player to ever wear a Grizzlies uniform. Yep. And he's 21, and hopefully we have him for a decade.
0: Speaking of 21 slash 20, you know, early 20 year olds, uh, let's talk about our two rookies briefly. Uh, Xavier Tillman and Desmond Bain. Um, I know you just heard a lot from Ty, but uh, we're, we're going <laughs> to ask him to come back into uh, stat, you know, <laughs> the stat realm, and tell us a little bit, Ty. I I, I know that. You did some digging in your binder on uh, Tillman, mainly Desmond Bain. So we'll let you take, you know, Bain, and then we'll we'll, we'll discuss Bain and Tillman. A okay, bit more I'll do after my that. Bain thing real quick. Yeah. So
2: quick little, just kind of preliminary stuff. Twenty two minutes a night, nine points a game on forty seven, forty nine, seventy eight shooting split. So what that means is, forty seven percent from the field, forty nine percent from three, which is nuts. <laughs> Uh, 78% from the free-throw line, which is also really good.
1: The Grizzlies have a shooting guard who shoots 49% from three. Sniper.
2: Also a rookie, which you would think he would get Just even better let that and more s- consistent. Let that s- sink in. So on his 49% from three, he's also doing that on three and a half attempts per game. So it's not like low volume. That's not high volume, but it's also not nothing, especially when you're only playing 20 minutes a night. So I wanted to look at... Just overall rookies. So I just kind of did some search on rookies in general this year. So a lot of rookies, you can have these like per game stats that don't matter because a guy may play like three minutes and the team may go on like an eight zero scoring run. So his like plus minus is through the roof. So I label, I looked at the top 15 rookies in minutes played. So the minutes played guys, the top 15 rookies in that. There are only three guys in the league with a positive plus minus. Bain is one of them at 2.7 plus 2.7. Peyton Pritchard for the Celtics is the other Pritchard one. So Pritchard's much. great, right? Um, the other guy who leads the league in plus minus, again, within the top 15 guys of minutes, is Xavier Tillman,
0: who we'll get to in a second. <laughs> so two of the top three guys are on the Grizzlies. So
2: within that, yeah, two of the top the only there's three guys in a positive plus minus in rookies, two of them play for the Grizz. Perfect. Which is insane. Um, So I also wanted to look at just Bain's overall shooting and take the rookie stuff out of it and just look at bench rotation players. So I hope this makes sense. Of all bench players in the league who take at least three threes a game, so that's decent volume, right? Not like your guy who may come in and take a three every now and then. Like this is a guy who shoots threes. He's a shooter, right? Bain is eighth in the entire league in three-point percentage. Eighth, that's top ten, in volume bench shooters.
1: He's eighth in the league for bench players. Yes. yeah, Volume
2: shooters, which is more than three a game. To me, that's crazy. If you, what have the Grizz needed for just all these years as a shooter, especially when you look at Jaw creating so many open shots as a shooter, and we got one right out of the gate. This front office was their second draft. And they got two of the three guys in a positive plus minus who are contributing to winning and a great shooter, which is what we've always needed. My other point is, real quick, and I'm done, I promise, for the night. Our front office is not afraid to take established players that they know can play. And if you look at the other rookie with a positive plus minus was Peyton Pritchard, who was a senior at Oregon. I think that our front office is very wise. And I think other front offices within the league will maybe start to dodge the stigmas of drafting older players. So a lot of these guys in the first round draft picks, especially, will take like this nineteen-year-old, this like athletic specimen, but just is not good at basketball. And they're hoping they will become good at basketball. And that has failed. Even for the groups like Tony Roten, Tony Roten is a great example.
0: Yeah. That's like
2: good. 19-year-old rookie out of Washington, his vertical was like top in the draft, all this kind of stuff. That guy was awful at basketball. We had so many guys do that year after year after year after year. Within two years, our front office has drafted four including job, ja, but three late first, early second round guys who are already contributing to winning. To me, that's just very – we cannot look over the fact that we have done that well in the draft. And we're not afraid to take guys that are established and know how to play, and we feel confident bringing them in right away.
1: Well, thank, I think the reason we're enabled to do that, we're, we're drafting from a position of strength because we don't have issues with our cap with players that just is like sunk, sunk salary. And you've got one bona fide superstar for sure, barring health, and you've got another one who – you know, a lot of folks in Jaren think is developing into one. I was going to ask you, Will, like, just watching Bane, what have been your thoughts?
0: Uh, he's a guy that I feel like every single time he shoots, it's going in. That's number one, and that is the most refreshing sight as a freaking Grizzlies fan you could ever imagine. Because, I mean, those guys, too, I mean, you think about it, Every, um, what is every big man now asked to do? They're asked to shoot like every shooting right now is like a real estate market that is just like through the roof. Like you're going to pay top dollar. You're going to pay over list price for shooting. And I think Bain is a guy who, um, was just show. I, I think that we, um, We lucked out in the sense that if Bane was just two years younger, I feel like he would have been in the lottery. Like, that's where I think that ageism, like Ty was talking about, has just gotten sort of out of control. Um, but I, I think too, I I do believe, as I mentioned earlier, that he, he needs to, he needs to up his minutes. I don't think there's a, there's, I I don't think you can play him too many. I don't care. He's going to make some dumb mistakes. He's, He is a little bit turnover prone right now whenever he puts the ball on the floor. Um, But I also think it's good for him to at least put himself in in a position to, to have those opportunities. I think now is the time to make those mistakes. And so I like to some of, some of, um, some of his rotation off ball. He's not a shooter. He's just standing right at the top of the key and just waiting or on the wing like he, you, you'll see him move in the offense if you just follow him. He's not, he's not a JJ Reddick who's going to be running off of screens. He's not a Duncan Robinson. Instead, he's a guy who I think, um, I think part of the reason why he's been successful too is because he doesn't look like that tradition. He's like a freaking running back. Like he doesn't necessarily I don't want to run into him, man. No, when you look at him, he doesn't. He he doesn't immediately strike you as a guy who could could actually just stroke like he does. Yeah. Um and I I just think it's been such a great such a great revelation and I'm so glad. Sometimes guys you you get a little nervous I think when you draft a guy who's whose primary asset overall is shooting and no matter like like basically the guys who are supposed to be good you just pray that they actually are and he is immediately delivered and it doesn't matter that he's um, the
1: age that he is,
0: like, he just fits right now, and he's contributing, yeah. so it's great.
1: I just, I don't, some of this c- could be biased because of my hate for other shooting guards that we've had in the past and on our current roster that don't do this, Um, <laughs> but there is something really refreshing to a shooter who picks his spots really well is already doing that really well, by the way. But also, I don't feel like the offense is going to stagnate or not flow well when he, when they're in the game. So, like, there's yes. there's a, crisp, a crispness to his passes and the way he swings the ball back around the court. There, he has, a, I think, pretty decent vi- vision for a shooting guard being able to pass it into the paint and make quick passes to – some of our other bigs as they're kind of rolling off of screens or the motion that we have cutting into the into the paint, and I just he he's a role player seems like the wrong thing to say, but he just has a really he just has a nice fit, and I I, I just feel like the the offense gels a whole lot better when he's in the game versus Dylan. Um, it's hard not to talk about it that way. I mean, DeAnthony has this type of effect too when he's on when when he's on the wing as well. Um, but I just feel like, or I just know, I mean, Todd just proved it with the stats. Bain's going to hit the threes better than Melton's going to. And, um, I think it just opens up so much more of our offense when he's in the game and you've got to actually, when defenses have to respect, uh, what he's providing on the outside.
2: Yeah. And to, I think y'all both mentioned it too. Like he takes shots that make sense. He just makes plays that make sense. Like, when you're out there, you're not wondering, like, what in the world was he thinking? Like, everything was in a flow. He plays team basketball, and things just make sense.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure. And and another guy that we need to talk about is Xavier Tillman. He's um, our other rookie. He's um, really, in the last four or five games with all the injuries, has stepped into a role that he might not have necessarily expected. Um, but he is completely delivered. I mean, we I will say... Uh, there, there was a. I think it was a preseason game where he played a little bit. It did not look good. Mm-mm. We were nervous about that pick. We were already making
1: jokes about the front
0: office picking Tillman just because he was friends with Jaron, and we were okay with that. We were already justifying all of it in our minds.
1: I mean, Jaron was his best man at his wedding. It's true. So, you know. <laughs>
0: and uh, but he stepped in. There's already been an article written about how he is a Draymond Green type player. He has made a couple of really great plays on the defensive end to in crunch time when it's winning time. And he just seems like a player very similar to Bain, who just knows where he's supposed to be. He does his job. And uh, and I think uh, this is definitely uh, the case with both of them. To me, one of the most refreshing parts of, of who they are is just that they seem to be content in whatever role that you'll have them yeah. uh, fulfill. and And that's not always – that's not always the attitude of players who are the best players on their college teams. Um, So I think, I think Tillman just kind of echoing everything just from a different positional standpoint uh, with Bain has just been such a great, great guy to know that you can just bring him off the bench and he's going to be ready to go. It's just like, we're just so, we're so deep. Like, it's just, it's just great. Um,
1: All right. Anything else to add about the rookies before we, we
0: close up shop here with a few segments.
1: No, I, th- I think just the big picture of respecting like what's happened and appreciating it, knowing that these guys are going to get some shot, you know, get some – hopefully some playing time where there's going to be mistakes. But this is a different type of, you know, mistake drop – you know, mistake allowance, I guess is what you would say for, for these guys. Um, you know, they're getting national recognition for a reason for the types of plays that they're making. And even if like Tillman winds up to be like 60% – of Draymond like you know that's incredible you know Draymond is potentially like this reframing center on one of the best teams of all time that's so for Tillman to even be mentioned in that type of article and the other folks that are in that article with him um you know who's the OKC guy for instance that everybody loves uh, right Lou now Dort. Yeah, yeah. Dort. yeah it's like he's rolling right now and like that's just it's just great company and this, I mean I don't know it's just there's a lot of pride that his fans you can have um, with him being there so uh,
0: all right let's uh, close up shop with some segments uh, we're bringing it back baby uh, first one is Grizzly's history moment follow at Grizz story on Twitter for a daily dose of Grizzly's history um, this one isn't isn't uh, isn't super happy uh, but on this day, Actually, on this day 16 years ago, Don Poyer, who is the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, passed away very suddenly uh, due to a heart attack. The Grizzlies were in Denver, were about to play a game. It was the first season uh, with, that the Grizzlies were in FedEx for him, and Poyer had been the radio voice and had coined the phrase, only in the movies and in Memphis, um, and he had gotten moved to the TV broadcast that year. And... Uh, he passed away in his hotel room, and then they uh, they decided to play the game anyway. They honored him, and uh, he has had a, just a lasting impact on the guys that are st- you still hear as our play-by-play guys. Eric Hasseltine was actually the pre- and post-game radio voice for the Grizzlies, and he was promoted as the play-by-play, and he is still that to this day. Pete Pranica um, was the radio voice when Don Poyer went to be the TV voice of the Grizzlies and Pranica was actually um, moved into the TV role after Poyer and and they both um, just can't say enough about Poyer. And so uh, I would encourage you, if you're a Grizzlies fan, I was really young at the time. Like I, I had to go back and basically read a lot about Poyer. We had renamed the entire media center after him. Um, just was an incredible person by all accounts and, um, I would encourage you to go and and look up any articles you can about about his impact and and what he brought. He was the the first voice of the Grizzlies. Um and so uh this was more of a Grizzlies history, history moment to honor him and his legacy and um and yeah, I um I thought that was a just uh something worth mentioning today. Uh so now we're going to we have a couple more segments The uh, second one is a tweet that I saw. Um, The inauguration happened this week. And Mm. in that vein, we're not going to get political, don't worry. Um, (laughs) I saw a tweet, and I wanted to uh, pick everybody's brain on this podcast. What is the first sports-related executive order you would sign if you became president? So basically, this can be... If you want to change something about maybe like the rules or something, or if you want to add something to a game, take it away. Is that yours for real? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Brantley Davidson would sign the executive order to abolish the NCAA. Why? Why would? Why do you say that? Do I really need to like make my case? No, no, no. I'm just. I I agree, but I just you know for those out there. For those out there that
1: might disagree, you know. I think they're lame. I don't think they let the college sports progress the way they need to. They prevent paying college athletes. They're behind the times. They're old school. They're a non-profit that exists to collect and make their own fat butts richer just like healthcare companies. So, get rid of them. All right. Ted talk over. <laughs> Ty Smith, senior. What?
0: What about you?
2: I don't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't think about this enough. That's for sure. Um, I wanted to do something that, like, when you flopped in the NBA, that like on the video boards of the next game, it was just that over and over and over and over and over again of like your flop, and that you like you got legit suspended for a game the next game, and you just had to watch that on the video board. The whole night and everyone just laughed at you. I'm primarily thinking of the Trey Young where he just like mm. stops and jumps backwards somehow. That's natural, and he used to get that call, but he doesn't get it anymore, which is which is great. But
1: ooh, we could could we abolish that
2: that move in that general? Call? That'd be nice. Ooh, they're I just trying hate to flopping. though.
0: I mean, I guess I guess I don't know what that would necessarily. I guess this is uh, this is a hypothetical uh, exercise. Yes, of course we of could. we could. Okay, Sorry, but I don't know my
1: executive powers. Yeah, 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 yeah. No,
0: it's it's basically and my your other God. one, Grizz
2: centric, was that we go back to the Vancouver colorway, which is the black, the red, and the teal, just full time. That's our that's our thing.
0: So more of a Grizz executive that. order. Yeah,
2: that's a Grizz executive getting, order.
0: Getting Robert Perez here. Yeah. Um. He all right. To the pot. Mine uh, was, I was thinking about this. I think um, what I would do is make it a a um, a rule. I would I would change the way that we end basketball games to the Elam ending, which was oh, wow. what happened in the All Star game. I think that that is the superior way to end a game, and if you don't know what that is. Basically, with under four minutes left in the game, the clock is turned off at the, at the first stoppage under four minutes. The clock is turned off, and you add eight points to whoever's ahead. You add eight points to that score, and that is the target score that the first team to reach that score actually wins. So every single game is in ends on a made basket, and you don't have unnecessary... Fouls that just stop the clock, and you're shooting free throws, and that's how, especially in college, like that's how a ton of games end. But all basketball games, I think, would need need to be need to be changed to uh, adopt this ELIM ending. I think in the All Star game, you saw how incredible it could be, and I think it All Star game was unbelievable. It makes all the sense in the world to me, and I know it's very much like a huge change, but I actually think it's the right thing to do. Um, the buzzer beater in basketball is fun, but I, I think it's a worthy sacrifice when you consider all of the other times when you were just like waiting for a game to end, but some team won't stop fouling. Mm, mm. Um, anyway, I just, that's what I would do. Mm, mm. Uh, all right. Hammer, Neil coffin, our last segment and we'll get us out of here. Guys, you're not going to have basketball for another five, or six days, but, um, what it, what it, What is the Grizzlies thought in your head right now that you want to leave the people with?
2: So, currently, I'm my free time, I'm looking up uh, trade machine scenarios of how we get Zach Levine. Maybe throwing that out there a little too soon. Who knows? A lot of people may disagree with me.
0: I thought you had given up on Levine. And I
2: have back. not. I have not. He's uh, third in the entire league in total points this year. So, take that for...
0: He's on one? my fantasy team. It's been uh, great. Yeah. I have
2: had some great. <laughs> I'm also... Now kind of taking away my search of draft picks, 2021 draft picks, outside the top five and more like in the 10 to 15, 16 range. Uh, But I think Grizzlies current is what do we look like when everyone's healthy, when everyone's back? And I think that's hopefully in the next few weeks. I'm really curious to see what that looks like, especially with the rotation.
0: What about you,
1: Brandon? This is not Grizzlies related, but I've really been into NBA futures lately. Yes. And I got into 10-1 uh, to 1 odds on LeBron James for MVP. Put 25 bucks on it with a return of around 250. I hedged that actually yesterday with a Steph Curry 9-1 to 1 odds to win MVP because I sort of think that it could go either direction. Do you think the Warriors
0: are going to be good enough, though, for him to win MVP? I don't
1: know. He's – Steph it's because oh, of him, though.
2: Right. If they're he- like a top five seed, it's – like Westbrook won it and they were like the seven seed. Yeah.
1: If, if, if Steph gets them to like a top five seed without Clay and it's just Steph and Draymond basically, he, it's because he's doing like what he did against the Lakers. And I mean, a lot of games he's going to be able to just go out there and do that. And I think somebody, he got pissed off and it's, I'm, I'm here for it. Me I love I, it's awesome. I, this is controversial, but I love Steph Curry. Me
2: too. So
0: much. There's so much. Of course. Hate that's for... not controversial. It, it is, is I no, have no, a no, lot of but... friends that hate Steph Curry. Really?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Like don't like like don't then, like the mouthpiece thing.
0: They don't, they don't don't like they're naive. They don't like basketball.
1: I look I know look, hey, look, fans, you can have your own opinion. I love watching Steph Curry. I think he's freaking amazing. Obviously, that's 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 objective. That's not even subjective. Um so anyway. I am just really excited about my NBA futures picks. I feel like LeBron—he's
2: winning the MVP. He's gonna win
1: the MVP, and I'm gonna win 250 bucks. It's gonna be awesome. They're
2: playing Milwaukee, and he's got 27 through three quarters, and he's a plus 16.
1: I I legitimately think this he's, is the LeBron versus KD year again.
2: That'd be fun. KD's also on a tear.
1: He's on a tear, and LeBron is like, I'm not that that year when KD was with the Warriors, and it was like KD's better than LeBron. LeBron hadn't forgotten that. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I I would say that mine is sort of NBA more NBA centric than gris centric Be just be, in, by respect of us not having any games that we're going to play. So I'm I'm going to be watching very closely uh those teams that I've mentioned that I feel like we are we are right in lockstep with uh right now which were the Pelicans, the Spurs, the Kings and the Rockets. Those are the teams that I'm going to be really focusing on in the next uh week just because, you know, and the Blazers now. I'm going to actually lump them in in this next stretch, although I don't know how long they're They're obviously one of the teams that was affected by our postponement. But um, those are the teams I'm going to be watching. Um, this has been another edition of the Grizzden pod. It's been a fun one. I'm glad we got to spend a little bit of time on our rookies, uh, got to reevaluate uh, where we go from here in the season, and uh, we got to appreciate uh, John Morant, which we always do. And so, Justice, Jaron, if you're listening, just come back. Come on back. (laughs) Like, what's the harm, Arms
2: are wide open. They're as open as they can be.
0: Yeah, I'm sure your hip and your knee or whatever.
1: And Kyle, Kyle and JV, I love you guys, but... Hope we get something great in return for you.
0: (laughs) Trade deadline talk. It's gonna be coming up actually pretty soon. We're like a month away. What
1: number Levine will wear? I just I don't know what number. Okay, that's perfect. Perfect
0: thing to get out of here. Twenty four.
1: He's gonna take Dylan's number. Guys, don't forget to rate
0: and review the podcast. Tell your friends. Uh, we're back in the swing of things. We hope that in the interim you get to spend some time. With your loved ones because you've been watching probably too much basketball. There's Grizzlies. So, this is a great time to go and, and hang with them, you know, reconnect. But then, in about a week's time, come back in. We'll, we'll, we'll welcome you with open arms back to the podcast. Thanks, guys. We'll be back soon.